Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Today, I'm, I'm going to be talking today about um, the prodigal son's father. You know, we look at that, we've, we hear the story of the prodigal son, right? This pro, we call it the story of the prodigal son. But today, we're going to see there's more to the story. It's not just about the prodigal son. There's also a story in there about the prodigal son's father. So we're going to see more of that today about the father. Um, you know, we do know from the story that he's a good father, that he has a huge amount of love for his son, and he really wants nothing but good for his son. You know, there's a, there's a, a tremendous blessing a, a parent has when you see your children doing well. And the, with, as a believer, someone that's serving the Lord, what really blesses a believing father or mother is to see the son or the daughter walking in the steps of God. In other words, wanting to please the Lord, wanting to do God's will. You know, the, the, the child may not end up having the most money, may not have all this and that going on, but if you see them following the Lord and having a good heart, doing right in life, man, that is really where the blessing is. So John knew this. He wrote in 3 John 1, 4, he says, There's no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, I believe he's probably talking about spiritual children, people that he was discipling and that he had helped. And um, that's a great blessing because sometimes, you know, you invest your time in people and your heart so connects and then you see them not doing so well later. And um, John's going, man, when, when I invest myself in someone like a father and I connect with them and man, and I see them continuing to walk with the Lord, it just so blesses me. And um, he's, of course, bringing the natural into the spiritual. But let's take the spiritual and go back to the natural because the analogy holds true for both, you know, the spiritual and natural. When a father sees his children doing well, following the Lord, there is such a blessing there. So anyway, I want us to take that context and maybe fill in the gaps to this story, to, to some things that aren't told, because I'd, I'd like for us to begin by you know, trying to look at what this father was feeling. Now, I'm going to read the story, and then, and then I'll go into some thoughts on it. But this is the story of the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. A certain man had two sons, the, and the younger one said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Give me that part that's mine. So he divided that part to him and, and gave it to him. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, got his stuff together, journeyed to a far country, and wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he'd spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in need. Now that's interesting to me. He's lost all of his money, but not only that, the economy's gone bad. There's no food. There's a famine where he, he went. I mean, everybody's having hard times, but him more so. He more so. So then it says, then he went and journeyed, joined, excuse me, joined himself to a citizen, and he sent him, the citizen sent him into his fields to feed 
pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate, but, but nobody gave him anything. <laughs> and when he came to himself, another version says, when he finally came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I'm sitting here hungry. So this experience was the beginning of him thinking differently. And then he says, I'll arise and go to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your servants. I'll be so happy. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a long way off, the father saw him, had compassion on him, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the, fa- and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I've, what I did, it was wrong. I'm so sorry about all of that. And I'm not even worthy. I'm not fit to be called your son. But the father says to the servants, Bring out the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring out the fatted calf and kill it. And let's eat and have a party, because this son of mine was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost. He was lost, didn't know where he was, but now he's found, and they begin to be married. What a great story. And Jesus, of course, is sharing a parable, but... um. I want you to think about this man. Remember, he's a good man. He wants good for his son. He's a good father. And he would have done as a good father would, as a good father should, right? So as the son is born and begins to grow, the father is connecting. He's, he's hoping the best for the son. He's beginning to have dreams. Oh, I want to see him do well. What's he going to become when he gets old, oh, is he going to be this? What's the gift of God in him? And as he begins to grow, he begins to recognize some of the gift of God in his son. It's like, wow, that's so neat. God's made him like this. He's going to be this. And oh, God's going to, it's going to be so great. He begins to envision what might be. Oh, he'll grow up. He'll have a, he'll have a, a great, wholesome family, a wholesome wife and a wonderful family. He's He's going to be such a great father. You know, he'll he'll be a pillar. You know, I'm, I'm just I can see him as a pillar in the community. Someone that does just, you know, just a, a major part of something God's going to do. You know, and he's got those kind of dreams as he's growing. He's teaching him. He's pouring everything he knows into his son. He's he's. He's uh, everything he's gotten. He wants him to have. He's he's talking to him about God all the time. Questions come up. He brings God's perspective. He's trying to help his son see things through God's eyes, you know, to see things the way God is seeing them. And he's praying with him about the things he's going through at school, you know, about the things he's going through in life and the the issues. You see, he's praying with him and he, he carries those burdens with him. When he goes to bed at night and he prays for his son. See, he is so connected to his son and he disciplines his son, too. That's one of the difficult parts of being a parent is sometimes out of love, you have to do things that are painful. 
Now, that sounds like those two things don't go together, but they do. It's painful to discipline your child and because that's bringing pain into their life, usually, right? And so he, he has to discipline, though, because he knows if I don't discipline my child, he's going to grow up with some attitudes and some ideas and things about his life that are going to go with him for a long time. And I tell you, I have seen many older people, I mean older people, who have attitudes and issues that I think, why didn't their parents get that out of them when they were seven or eight? Some people don't get those issues dealt with. They don't get disciplined by their parents. Oh, just let him be. Oh, don't do that. It's going to make him cry. It's, he's going to have a fuss. You know, so they're like, don't touch him. You know, but later, you know, you see someone like that. And everybody else would have said, I wish your parents had been a little bit more consistent with their discipline in your life. But anyway, this parent is godly. He's, he goes not by what he feels is the right thing to do, but what he knows is the right thing to do according to the Word of God. And the, the Bible says that parents are to, do, are to discipline as we see best, best for the child, best to bring him up to get him to go in the right direction with his life. So anyway, he's, he's doing everything he can to make this child go in the right direction, to help him make good decisions, to help him become that godly man, that godly father, that, that, that pillar in the community that he's in, in, envisioning for him. And uh, I, I want to just say uh, the father and mother are, are indeed the children's shepherd, right? So the parent, more so than the youth pastor or the children's minister, is the children's first pastor. And the parent should always be watching what's going on, paying attention, noticing behavioral changes and talking about what's going on in life. It's easy to think everything's okay, but you just always have to make that effort to do that and be the shepherd of your child's heart. Guide that heart in the right way. Make sure it's healed. Make sure it's working right. Make sure it's whole. So that's what this father did. And I know that many of you listening to me today, you can say, you know, that happened to me as growing up. And th there are many of you parents that are hearing this and saying, well, hopefully I, I did, you know, I did that too. I did it the best that I knew how to do. And that's all you can do. Every one of us as parents, we're always going, man, I probably didn't do this the way I should have done it. I probably didn't do that right. I mean, we, we think that way all the time if we want to do right. Now, this man is invested into his son, and we know that he would have done that because, remember, this guy's an illustration, this parable, the father's an illustration of God the Father. So this man was a good father, right? And despite his good intentions... Despite his good intentions, when his son starts to grow up, you know, uh, uh, you know, around what puberty or whatever, he he and you know he begins to notice that his son starts to have some attitude sometimes, and it's like, man, what's going on with my sons? And then he begins to 
makes some bad decisions with his life. He, he starts hanging around some of the wrong people, and the father is beginning to be concerned. He's like, well, he's not really reaching out to those kids. It seems like he's sort of enjoying what they already are. And then, and then as he gets a little older, he starts coming home a little late at night. And then the father really starts to get concerned. Well, at first there's good excuses, and then, and then later the father smells some alcohol on his breath and says, wait a second, where'd you guys go? And that happens every once in a while. And then, and then as the son gets older, you know, the father is really concerned about him and, and some of the things that, you know, some of the girls he's going out with. And, you know, he's like, I don't know, something just, I'm not, don't feel really good about this. He he gets on this computer like any good father would, like any good father would, all of you fathers. He gets on his son's computer just to see what's going on. And he looks on there and he goes, oh, my gracious, this is so, you know, um, burdensome, so grievous. I can't believe my son is into this stuff. You know, he sees uh, pornography and other things on his, on his son's laptop. And so he goes and he, he goes and he spends time with his son and starts sharing with his son. He's praying, God, let me help me know how to help my son. Help me know how to get him to go in the right direction, how he can turn around. He begins to plead to God for his son. God, I'm going to, I have to talk to my son. Please open up his heart, help him where he's going to hear what I have to say, where he'll turn. You know, he's so burdened. So he, he sits down and he talks with his son. And uh, as he's talking with his son, you know, maybe the first few times it seems like his son's going, I'm sorry, Dad. But then, then after death has happened a few times, it seems like there's some kind of wall. The dad's talking. The son's there. But there's, there's a blank look on his face. There's not a connection happening anymore, right? So it's like the son has started tuning out. Something is happening, and the father's so grieved about it. God, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? And I can almost guarantee there's somebody listening to me that has gone through this process. I feel strongly that somewhere, whether it's today or by somebody listening to this message later, somebody is hearing this and you know, I have had that conversation with one of my children. You know, I've been through that. I know exactly what you're talking about. But anyway, as the son gets into young adulthood, he begins to think about, man, what if I were just free? I don't like dad's rules. I don't like living in this house. He has it this way. He's, things have to be this way. Man, what if, I just, what if I just had the money I needed? Man, if I had the money, I could be free. I could do whatever I want to do. I could get all the things I want to get. I could have all the fun I want to have. I could do like a lot of the other guys I've been watching them be like that. And my man, man, my dad's got a bunch of money and he may, I just am living like this in the house having, you know, he makes me work in the field with him. He makes me do this with, man, this is crazy. And if I just have the money, I could impress so many women. I could live this life I really want to live. Nobody would be telling me what I have to do. You know, it would be amazing, right? See, money looks like it is the key to everything. Money is the key to all my problems if I just had a whole lot of it. 
all my problems would be answered. I would not have to be at this house anymore. I could be on my own, get my own pad, move away. And then he gets this idea. He gets this idea. He goes, wait a minute. My dad is so gracious. He is so super kind. I bet you I can, I can get him to uh, give me my inheritance ahead of time. I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try. Why, why not? So he goes to his dad and like, Dad, I'm, I'm just sorry. I, I don't have the same values you have anymore. You know, uh, I mean, I'm not going the same direction you're going in. Um, actually, he starts out by asking for the money. Let me back up. He asked, he asked for the money. He's like, <clears throat> Dad, can I have my inheritance? Oh, I'm asking for my inheritance now. Maybe the dad's going, hmm, that's a little fishy. What are you thinking about doing with that? I just want my inheritance. So the dad gives him his inheritance. And then he goes, oh, by the way, dad, um, also, I really don't have the same values you have anymore. And I'm really cramped up living in this house with all your rules and you know, the way you serve God and all, I mean, that's real good, but that's just not my life. That's not me. I need to go do my own thing. So here he is. He's gotten his money. Now he's telling his dad, okay, dad, guess what? Now I'm leaving. And he takes off. I mean, I think that's got to be one of the most difficult days for that father because you see, he's been working with him the whole time. He's been praying for him. He's been hoping for a change in his son every day. He's bringing this burden before God every day. And then, guess what? His son comes and he goes, Dad, I'm just going to go do what I want to do. It's like, it's like God didn't show up. It's like God didn't show up. There's a fun, it looks like there's a finality to this. I've been hoping for a change, and now, boom, he's decided, boom, I'm going this way. His heart's made up. His mind's made up. He's made his decision. I mean, just as a father, I would just think for any of my children to do something like that, man, it would, I think it would feel like hitting me with a brick, right? And I'm like, oh, man, I can't. oh, that's horrible. And I know. Some of you have had children that have made some decisions like that. It's been very difficult. But even beyond that, you know, he's looking at some other things here, too. He's thinking, he's seeing the attitude of his son and being grieved by it. This, he's, he's so unthankful, ungrateful, not recognizing what's been done for him all these years you know the son is he he's thinking he's thinking man your inheritance is it's from years and years of my work years and years of my father's work and my grandfather's work it's been passed down and he's able to realize at that moment because he's mature and if you've ever been around a boy like his boy was, and you're going, you see this? You see how this young man's acting? You're going to go, he's not going to have that money too long. Anybody ever, you've, you've seen that happen? You know it, don't you? You go, mm-hmm, 
He came into some money. He won't have it long. Right? That's what his daddy's doing. His daddy's going, you know what? It really, the inheritance wasn't about me anyway. It's about you. I wanted you to have it. I wanted it for, for your family. I wanted it for your future. And he realizes now he's going to lose everything that we've worked for him to have that, that is for generations. <laughs> I mean, he's just throwing it all away. But the son doesn't see that. Oh, no. The son knows everything. He knows exactly what he needs in life. He knows exactly what's going to give him the best life he could possibly have. Oh, he's, he's so much more wise than his dad is. He's got everything figured out, right? And he's ready to take on the world, and he's going to have the best time. Nobody's going to have a better life than he's going to have. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So before I go any far, further with that, I, I just want to encourage every parent that has been in this parent's shoes up till now, um, it might look like there's a finality to what's happened. Maybe your son or your daughter has looked like they've gotten stuck. They've made a decision. I'm going this way. Um, maybe, it, maybe it's not as radical. Maybe for some of you, uh, your son or daughter may have made a decision just to, just to be some kind of lukewarm something and not really serve the Lord. But I want to encourage you today, do not give up. He might have made a decision that's in his mind or her mind, a final decision. But that isn't the final outcome. And I feel strongly from the Lord that this is an hour and this is a season when prodigals are going to begin to come home. And when God is saying, I want you to hold on, I want you to stir up you parents, stir up your belief, stir up your faith again. I've spoken to you and I've encouraged you in times past, but as time went on and you got weary, you have allowed your faith to get weary, your hope has been dashed. I'm encouraging you today. And even in this word, you sense the stirring of God. You sense something in this of hope for you. And I am encouraging you now to rise up, take hold of this hope, take hold of this something that says God can do what man cannot do. God is bigger than my son's will. God is bigger than my daughter's will. God is bigger than the, the darkness, that spirit that has come upon their lives. There is not a finality to what is happening or what has happened. God is going to have the last word. Now, I want to mention here, there are, there are a couple of things that I think that are, are noteworthy about what this father did. Um, first of all, he didn't try to compromise to get the son to stay, right? I have seen so many parents, they compromise over and over to get the child to stay home. Oh, our standards are here. Oh, you know, I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to live like this. Oh, oh, that's okay. That's okay. You can, that's okay. You know, that's all right. And then the standards keep going down. After a while, it looks like the child is running the home. I have seen that happen so many times, and I have never yet seen it happen where it turned out for good. I just haven't. A lot of churches, they change Father God's standards because they don't want anybody to leave. Oh, no. Don't feel bad. 
God doesn't really mean that. I mean, He doesn't care if you do this or that or this or that. <laughs> he understands. And you see, there's certain standards that are not walked out in the Father's house so that some sons and daughters won't go. But I will just say, you are not doing, we are not doing any good by lowering standards. They're not going to eventually, look at the history. Look at churches to do that. Do they eventually, they catch on fire? No, the whole church goes down. Paul says, hey, people that say they're believers and they're living like that, hey, that remember this word, a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. He says that about that very phenomena in the church, right? So <laughs> it doesn't help. And this man did not compromise and go, oh, you can stay here. Just do whatever you want. You know, he doesn't do that. He says, okay, you want to do your own thing? Man, it breaks my heart, but goodbye. I remember one time, you remember that story where G, uh, this rich young ruler comes up to Jesus? And he says, Jesus, what do I have to do to be saved? And in Mark's version, it says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Now, I think the reason why it says he loved him at the front of that verse is He's trying to convey the way this word came out of Jesus. Because what Jesus says is, sell everything, give it to the poor and come follow me. I don't think Jesus goes, sell everything, give it to the poor and come follow me. He, he's, he's pleading with him. It says, Jesus loved him, turned to him and he goes, everything, just give it away and come, let go. Step out. Trust me. Come. Come on. And then it says, the guy was wealthy. He, he heard what Jesus said. He turned and he walked away because he wouldn't let go. Now, why did Jesus tell him, let go of everything? Because he knew that was what was holding him back. Isn't that right? He didn't tell every single person to do that. But he told this man, he saw, oh, if he will do this, he, something amazing is going to happen in his life. This is his idol. So what does he do? He speaks to it. Let that go. And then he goes, and come follow me. I believe he was calling him to maybe even be one of the disciples. You don't know, right? But he's going, if he would just let go of that, oh, it's amazing what God's going to do in his life. Let go. His love was pulling on him. The guy turns around. Can't do it. Jesus doesn't run after this guy and go, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Give half away. Just give a little away. Just. Jesus is like, that's what he needs. You see, there's something about being honest, truthful, and having standards that helps other people. And they realize that that standard is there. People, eat, if they decide not to do it, don't make them think they're still okay. Let them know. You know what? These are the standards. I love you. I'm trying to pull you into that standard. But if you make the decision to go the other way, I'll let you go. He let the man go. That's the second thing that the, just that I wanted to mention here was he let the son go. He let him go. And um, I would just say one of the most difficult things for parents is when they need to let their child go and they're so wrapped up 
They will not do it. They won't let go. Now, that can happen even if you've got a great child. Serves the Lord. It's time to let go. It's, that child's not your responsibility in the same way. He or she's grown. You need to let go. Something wrong, will, weirdo, will begin to happen if you don't let go. All right? Let go. And that's more for mommies. All right? I'm telling you. That's more for mommies. Let go. But I'll tell you too, even, even you know, uh, when it's a good child, it's hard. But imagine when the child's got some issues and you're concerned about the crazy things they're going to do. Sometimes you need to let go and let God take care of it. You need to be able to say, you know what? This is not my responsibility in the same way it was. I can still pray for, be concerned about, have that burden, but there's a part of this now. I've got to give it over to God, and I've got to say, God, I've gone as far as I go in this role that I've had. Now I'm putting my child in your hands. It's up to you, God. It's up to you. I've done everything I know how to do. That's what this man had to do. God, I prayed all these years. He didn't go in the right direction. God, I don't know why you didn't come through for, for all these years. I, I don't know what happened, but here he goes, and he he lets his son go. <laughs> Praise God for that. Now, the son goes, and he begins to act like one of the fools, right? I bet his father heard all about it. I can just imagine somebody comes and visits the father and he goes, hey, did you hear what your son did last week? And the first few times he's going, no, what? And then he tells him, oh, you won't believe he did. And then the father's going, oh. And then, and then somebody else comes around and he says, hey, did you hear what your son did last week? Did you hear what's, what's, who he's hanging out with? And this time the father's almost, he's not asking. No, tell what he do. This time he's going, I don't think I want to know. But he tells him anyway, because he doesn't know how much pain it's causing the father to hear those things, right? And he hears it again. He's going, oh, oh, it's so hard. See, I can just imagine in those times when it looks like that finality has taken place. The son has gone in the wrong direction. He's made his decision that the father sees this and it burdens him. And he begins to wonder, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Um, where did I miss it? Where did I miss it? I mean, I, I believe that's one of the greatest struggles good parents have when they have a child that goes the wrong direction. You know, they, they begin to be weighed down with what I do wrong. Because honestly, generally, when good parents, godly parents raise children, that influence keeps them, helps them make good decisions. And they do amazingly well. But it doesn't happen that way every single time. Adam and Eve had the best parent possible. They made a big mistake, made a bad decision, didn't they? You can be the best parent and still make, you know, you know, have your children make some seriously bad decisions. It's not all your fault. And parents need to get over the guilt of children that have gone the wrong direction. Now, I would just say 
if you've done something wrong, or maybe you weren't even a Christian when your parents were grew, when your children were growing up, and later you became a Christian, and you go, oh man, I made, I did so many things, you know, I was smoking pot with my teenager, and I, I mean, you know, who who knows what you might have been doing? You have to go back and you say, you know what? I I didn't know better. I'm living right now, and I wish I'd been a better parent, but I hope that you'll discover what I've discovered. You know, and if you realize you made mistakes, you know, that have hurt your child and, you know, apologize. But I would just encourage you, you have to be able to let go of that and you have to go, you know what? God's bigger even than my mistakes. And my role right now isn't to feel guilty for the rest of my life. My goal is to pray. My goal is to help if with every opportunity I have to bring forward, to bring up, to raise up. Right. So your goal does become then to pray, to, to be in prayer for your son. He's gone. You're in a different place. Now, one of the grace, greatest men of God in the Bible is Job. You know, people like, man, there's nobody like Job. Think of what, how Job was, right? And we, could, we can be full of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just think how much of the Holy Spirit you'd have to have to have a positive attitude and what he went through, right? But we can do it, and we do it all the time, but Anyway, it says he regularly is praying and sending up offerings for every single one of his children because he's concerned that they may have offended God, right? Think about that. See, that, that goes to that, what a good parent's doing. Oh, man, I'm concerned they went in the wrong direction. I'm concerned they took a wrong step. So it says he's, he's regularly giving offerings to God for that. Isn't that amazing? That, what a father's heart. How much more was this man doing that? So uh, I just want to encourage you again. Um, fathers, even mothers too. I know it's Father's Day. But pray for your children. Never give up. And like I told you, this is so on God's heart right now. There's something so on. Even when I'm saying this, I sense God's so in this. There's so something so on God's heart to move on prodigals in this hour and those that have take, made wrong decisions and gone in the wrong direction. And I'll encourage every single one of you who has a family member or a child in that situation, reconnect back with God on that. Begin to bring that person before God again because God has been, he heard your prayers in the past. He hears your heart. He sees your tears. And I am just telling you, God is moved. He is greatly moved by the prodigals that have that have left. I, I, uh, and prayer makes a huge difference. I heard this story a minister was sharing recently. You know, when I hear stories, I, I can't stand the front part of a bad of a story that starts out with something bad that happened. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Lord, but I'm going to listen to it because I, I can tell it's going to be a testimony. It's going to be good at the end. Right. So this minister was sharing, and, um, you know, he's been in ministry a long time, and as the son was growing up, he's, he's doing just like what I shared about what this man did, and the son's growing, but then, but then as he, he got, I guess, in his older teens and whatnot, he's, his, he started going away from the Lord, he pulled away from God, and he got involved in homosexuality, and so he just, he went to go live the homosexual lifestyle. And of course, the pastor's devastated. And um, then he finds out later that the next door neighbor had 
um, come over and had been abusing his son when he was young, when he was little. And he's going, oh, man, that's how the devil got in. And that's how the enemy planted that in my son's heart. And, you know, trauma can do that. Some experiences, things happen that needs to get broken off of people. I've seen many people that have been abused and they end up in in situations that are a direct result of the abuse that they've had. And uh, but anyway, that happened to this pastor. And uh, after this, this son has grown, you know, in his older teens and in his early 20s and he moves on. It looks like that final thing has been done. That big decision. He's pulled away from God now. He's given over to that way of life now, right? But guess what? The pastor says, I am not giving up. I am, my wife and I, we were, we were not going to stop praying. We were not going to start declaring our son shall come back to God. We were not going to start uh, commanding the demonic forces in the name of Jesus to let go of my son. We were not going to stop. And he said, we just continued believing believing, believing after all those years. And he, he said, one day my son called me and just like, like I, he was like trembling over the phone. You could hear trembling in his voice. And he's like, dad, something's happening. Something's happening. I know you've been praying, you know, don't stop praying. Just don't stop praying. Not explaining what's going on, but it was only just a little while after that. He has an encounter with God and this young man, um, pulls out of homosexuality. Uh, and not only that, God delivered him from the homosexual spirit that had come into his life that was driving him, that had a place in his soul. He ended up getting married. He's married now. He's got two children. He openly goes around and shares his testimony. I was living like this that God delivered me. He is so free from that past. He's not even feeling the shame of it anymore. It's like, oh no, that was somebody else. I'm a different person now, but look at what God did. He's, there's no shame in it. And what I also love is that there's no shame in that pastor. There's no shame in that pastor <laughs> for what his son went through and the direction that his son went in. I mean, think about that. That's a blessing, you see. He's healed from whatever he might have been thinking. I mean, I just could have imagined what that guy could have been thinking. Oh, my, our neighbor. How, why did we let our neighbor babysit? Why did we let our neighbor over? We knew something wasn't quite right with that. We didn't feel good about that. Why did we do that? Oh, it's our fault. We, you see, you might be able to say a lot of things like that. But you just can't live like that. Are y'all with me? So everything's been healed. The man kept believing God for his son. He had to go up over whatever mistakes have been made all throughout the process and get healing as he's walking through this too. He had to get healing for him as he's also praying for his son. But he rises up to a place of courage and says, God, I believe you. God, you've got the final word. God, I declare my son shall be saved. My son shall turn around. His life shall change. And we shall see the glory of God. And in 
indeed it did happen. And he was able to say, God absolutely did this in my son. And I'll tell you, wherever you are today, that word is to encourage you for your loved ones and your children that somehow have gone in the wrong direction. Now, you know, after this son left in the Bible, I'm back to this, the prodigal son in the Bible. After he left, remember what happened? He lost everything, right? He lost everything. And you remember that that is the moment when he started to get his turnaround? Now, this is a sad truth. But many people, certain people, will not turn around until they hit bottom. Certain people will not turn around until they hit bottom. And God will let that happen to turn them around because He loves them. And I just want to say this too to moms and dads. There are some of you, and sometimes you have rescued your son or daughter from so many situations, it's not doing them any good anymore. Are y'all with me? I have seen parents who rescue their child, rescue their child, rescue their child, and nothing's changing. Sometimes. You need to just let it happen. Sometimes tough love says, you know what? I just need to let this happen. Man, I've had that happen sometimes. It's hard. It's hard on the parent. It's just like disciplining your child. Sometimes you're going, oh, I don't think I'm supposed to touch this. Oh, God, this hurts. And you're watching what your son's going through and, or your daughter or whoever. And then, but you go, God, it's in your hands. God, it's in your hands. I'm just telling you, sometimes that's exactly what is needed to get the job done. And I tell you, I have seen parents rescue their children too many times sometimes. And I think it's hindering or slowing down what God could do. Anyway, the, guy, the, the young man turns around. He's going, oh, first of all, this is trouble. You know, it's interesting how people think. He's not starting out going, man, I'm a sinner. He starts out going, man, this situation's horrible. Man, what did I do? Then he starts thinking about it. Then he starts going, you know what? Man, I made some bad decisions. Man, I had it best, and I left my daddy. Oh, man, what was I thinking? Oh, I was so stupid. Oh, man, what was going on? Oh, I'm so sorry. Then he goes, I am a sinner. I am a mess. You see? The difficulty gave him a path of thought that helped him see who he really was. And he goes, I'm a mess. Now, it goes back to his dad. And what, he, what does he say? Dad, I'm a mess. I'm so sorry, Dad. I'm a sinner. I did God wrong. I did God wrong. I knew that wasn't right. But, man, I did God wrong. I did you wrong. I'm not asking about all the stuff I had before. I'm not asking for any of that. I don't even care about that. All I want is just to come back home. That's all I want. Treat me like a servant. I, I'm happy. I'm so, I just want to be here. And the dad, of course, is, takes him. You see his love. And he's so excited. But I want to, let me, before I get into that, 
I want to look at this this father, just this uh, son, just a moment. You see, this guy had the worst attitude. He had the worst mindset. And then this experience happens. He goes through this process. And look at the difference of his attitude. He's not coming across entitled anymore. Oh, I'm going to go back and get what's mine because they ought to take care of me. Oh, he's my family. He's my family. No, he comes back a changed man. From, from Rather than being entitled, everything's owed to me. I'm getting what's mine. He's like, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to, uh, I just want to come home. Man, what an amazing testimony. If God did that with that young man, he can do it with your young man. He can do it with your young daughter. He can bring him, her back home. Completely changed. Not only restoring the relationship with God, but restoring the relationship with the parent. Oh, oh wow. Man, I just sense God so much in today, right? God's going to be doing this. It's going to be an amazing thing that happens with God restoring children. God restoring prodigals. Some of them are older prodigals. God bringing people back home. God restoring relationships from with people back to God and with people back to loved ones that somehow is just not right. Whew, what an amazing thing. And then, of course, we see God's joy. God's so, he's like, the father is representing God, right? He's so joyful. Do you know God has emotions? Some people think God is just laws. Do this, do that, good, evil. God's full of emotion. Love, joy, pain. God feels pain, the Bible says. He feels the burden over his people. He's hurt when people make bad decisions. He's filled with joy. And guess what? The angels, they're watching God. They're watching what's going on. The Bible says the angels are rejoicing. They're going, yay. They're going, look, God's so happy. We're happy about that. We're so happy, God. And look, look what he did. Look, well, we're just so happy about all of this. It's amazing. They're watching it on, on video right on the screen. And it says, angels rejoice when a sinner repents. It's not just that they're happy for him. They're also happy for God. They're going, God's happy about that. It's amazing what just happened. Right? And then, and then of course, we didn't get to this, but then the, the father, we didn't get to this when I was reading earlier, but in the story, the father then looks at the the other son. There was another son, and he is, the other son's gotten irritated and going, you know, he's probably been thinking, man, I've been doing this right the whole time. This my, this my my brother. He's the craziest guy, doing wrong. He doesn't work hard. He sleeps half the day. He he just he goes out partying all the time. He never he doesn't have obey dad and mom. You know, da 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 da. And then here he comes. And we are throwing a party for him. Well, here we go. We're just throwing a party for you. You never throw a party for me. I've been faithful every day. I've been, do, I've been serving you every day. And the father goes, look, son, what, everything I've got is yours. The rest of this inheritance, it's all yours. Remember, he's got, all this is yours. You could ask for it like he did, right? But he's, he was lost. And now he's found. We ought to be celebrating, and you ought to be celebrating. 
And I feel like there's such a message in that that I'll conclude with today is there are a lot of lost prodigals today that God wants us to have compassion on. Not be upset at them. Not just go, oh, look at all the dumb things they're doing. Yes, I hate that people do dumb things too. But God says, I want you to love people past that because somebody's got to speak to them in love the way Jesus did to that guy who was not, he had his priorities all wrong. It says in love, Jesus was trying to pull him out of that and bring him to God. You see, God will send us if we'll have the right attitude to be someone that helps bring those prodigals in. I believe God's saying, would you please take my heart today? This is the time to be praying and believing for your children. And for all of us today, it's the time to go out into the harvest field because the harvest is ripe. People are coming back to God. I haven't seen this kind of thing happen. I know it's the beginning stages, but I feel like there's probably, there's, if this continues, there's going to be like the greatest move of God. I think that anybody's, that's alive has ever seen. So, amen. Well, let me just pray for you and uh, just we'll just conclude today. Father, we want to thank you so much for your heart for us, your love for us, God. Thank you that you, you love us when we've all gone astray, God. And um, your heart has been there when we made bad decisions and all of us have. And Father, we pray for those right now that our loved ones, um, God, they've made bad decisions. Some of them have even like, looks like they, there's a finality to it. No, this is who I'm going to be. Father, right now, we ask you for their salvation. Lord, we pray. We just stir up our faith to say, God, we believe you to act on their behalf, to break off the darkness from their minds, to break off the devil's assignment off of their lives, to deceive, to bring darkness, to get them on the wrong path. Father, right now, we're believing you to do miracles. And God, we want to say, Lord, we put it in your hands. And God, whatever you have to do to get the job done, whatever needs to be done for their hearts to turn and come back to you, God, that's your business. You do what needs to get done. Lord, we put it in your hands and we're believing you for miracles. And God, beyond that, we're believing you for this great harvest because we know you just love to see people come out of darkness into the marvelous light to walk with you, to know you, to love you, and to be who you've called them to be even before they were born. In Jesus' name, amen.